Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Information overload has led to pervasive apathy. We don't act because we don't think that we can make a difference. And there's so many problems, so many issues. What can we do? What can little old me do? Well, when it comes to the real crisis in the cradle of Christianity, there are some folks who are determined to act and to give you, our listeners even, an opportunity to participate in a meaningful way. And here to talk about it is Chris Seipel, a president of the Institute for Global Engagement on the web at globalengage.org. Chris, it's a delight to have you on Freedom's Ring today. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, you know, in America, we've heard so much about the Islamic State, about the expulsion of uh, of Christians, of other peoples of faith. Uh, We've been horrified by probably the worst round of persecution uh, in any of our lifetimes, uh, those of us who uh, were not alive during World War II. Um, But you have come across a wonderful way to actually do something about it. Tell us about that. Well, thank you, and thank you for raising awareness and allowing me to introduce some of these ideas to your listeners. Uh, Obviously, there's a complex situation We have uh, donor fatigue. We are tired of thinking about the Middle East. We've sent our boys and our men and women over there for over a decade. It doesn't seem to have gotten better. In fact, it's actually gotten worse. There's all kinds of political and leadership comments that can be made, but the bottom line is that lots of folks are being persecuted by this terrorist group, the so-called Islamic State, and they're an equal opportunity oppressor. They're trying to uh, attempt a genocide against the Christians, the Yazidis, the Kakai. You name it, if you don't pray like they do, even and especially Muslims, they want to kill you. So what we're trying to do is find a way to practically come alongside those who know the area best. And in our mind and to our experience, the people who know the situation best is that entity that has been there long before the government and long before the NGOs, and that's the local church. And we want to work with and come alongside the suffering church as it serves all those who suffer. All faith and none, according to the best of Scripture and commands of the faith, to love God and love neighbor, uh, irrespective of what they believe. And we're finding partners how to do that. And we've set up a thing called the Cradle Fund, cradlefund.org, to come alongside the ancient churches in the region and also NGOs that are doing good things, also working with and through the churches. What is the the purpose of the Cradle Fund? Well, we want to... Uh, there's two things that we're really doing. One is we want to raise awareness, of course, and call attention to a lot of good efforts. But two, we're also seeking to galvanize some coherent thinking. What we come across time and again is that there is no leadership, and I don't mean that as a political comment. I mean that as an observation of um, objective fact. There is no leadership in the region, outside the region, about how to deal with this. And what we want to do is present a a general strategy about how to move forward. We want to rescue people who are suffering, who are fleeing, who have been persecuted, all faiths and none. We want to think through how do we restore them emotionally, spiritually, um, 
trauma, gender-based violence, violence against women, all these things have to be addressed. They don't have post-traumatic syndrome. They have traumatic syndrome. They're in the <laughs> middle of that. And then third, we want to return them to a, a home, a home where they can practice their faith freely. That might be their home they fled from. That might be a home in a neighboring country. That might be a new home through emigration. But we want to think long-term about this because these folks have suffered uh, beyond what we can even imagine and seen things beyond which we can imagine and harken back to the days of World War II and Crystal Knock, November 8th and 9th, 1938, when the Nazis had their coming-out party against the Jews and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we want to try to do is, is prevent that from taking root in a sustainable fashion, but you have to have a sustainable strategic response to that. The Islamic State has a strategy to wipe out everybody. We want to encourage a strategy to uh, fight that and resist that according to the best of our tradition. And so we want to encourage people to be aware of the persecution and then fight back with a, a good strategy that does not seem to exist in other places. Now let me take a step back because when we ask people to consider worthy causes, people are interested to know a little bit of the background, who's behind it, you know, how did this effort get going? And I'm going to take a stab first um in terms of what I know about your organization, the Institute for Global Engagement, uh, it was really founded by your father, Robert Seipel, was it not? Yeah, my dad and mom together. And um, your dad uh, served as the first ambassador for international religious freedom when Congress enacted and established the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom back in the 1990s during the, uh, during the Clinton administration, right? That's right. 1998 is when Congress acted unanimously to create this position in that commission. And uh, if I remember correctly, he'd come out of World Vision, right? That's absolutely right. A registered Republican out of World Vision and a Vietnam vet, and it seemed like the perfect choice for a Clinton administration going through some scandals in 1998. And it came together quite well, and he and Natalie Albright uh, did some good things in establishing the office and an annual report on people of all faith and none who are persecuted or face harassment around the world. It had never been done before. And so, of America. And out of that, you know, the work has continued with the Institute for Global Engagement to bring uh, religious leaders and political leaders together. It's part of what you do, similar to what... Um, you know, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, my church, has established uh, the International Religious Liberty Association, and our leadership has worked closely with your dad in doing similar things around the world. Uh, and we've been partners with your dad, with you, um, in these kinds of efforts to to really present the norms of religious freedom in cultures that increasingly uh, do not meet those norms. Yeah, that's absolutely right. In fact, Dad is chair of the board at uh, Erla, and Seventh-day Adventists have been leading the way for such a long time as a function of their faith. It's just beautiful to watch and come alongside others who have come to the same conclusions about Scripture. And uh, and, and to do so in a nonpartisan fashion, by the way, Democrat, Republican, uh, Western and Eastern, if you believe in a sovereign God of history, then you believe that every culture has a mechanism for respecting the other, for inviting in the stranger, for having hospitality. Uh, those norms are there, I believe, as a function of the Creator. Now, on the other hand, they're also, as a function of the human condition, there are plenty of folks who are abusing religion and hijacking it to uh, seize power and worship themselves. And every faith has done it, but uh, it seems to be taking most likely in the Muslim-majority country these days. 
And there's a lot of good Muslims who are fighting against that, and those we're partnering with them, and we're we're uniting with folks like Erla to do these kinds of things through the Cradle Fund. So it's a common effort and a universal cause. People have different points of moral departure, but common means and ends in terms of mutual respect and mutual reliance in a global world. And um, if, if I understood your um, your emails correctly. The Cradle Fund is actually the inspiration of some very successful and powerful uh, Hollywood producers. Well, that's what's so fun about it. It's, uh, I mean, the cause is, is tragic and we're galvanized around it, but what's so encouraging about it is that in our case, uh, we're a Christian organization who works for all faith and none. We are uh, sought out by Mark Burnett, and Roma Downey. Roma, you many will remember as uh, in Touch by an Angel. She played the, the lead character there. Uh, Mark has produced things like Shark Tank and Survivor and The Voice, but they also have done the Bible on the History Channel and are now filming a NBC miniseries called AD that will premiere on Easter. It's about the Book of Acts being broadcast on the main uh, TV, TV channel. It's so there's a lot of good things happening about the best of faith, but how does the best of faith defeat the worst of religion? And Mark and Roma came to us and IGE and said, hey, we need to think about this. We don't want this to be another celebrity thing. We want this to be a serious uh, strategy that engages in the near and long term, is multi-faith, and is still unapologetically Christian in our motivation and our concern for brothers and sisters of Christ who have suffered, along with all those of other faiths who have suffered. We want to do something, but we don't know how. Figure out a way to engage. And I don't know if we have adequately defined here, at least in this discussion, that the crisis in the cradle of Christianity is really, as as my good friend Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, has often said, uh, the the threat of the final expulsion of Christianity from the Middle East. Yeah, we're witnessing uh, generational trends where the Christians are now at the threat of extinction. And it's also true for other religious minorities, but the Christian faith was literally born there, in the cradle, in the room, in the stable, because there was no room at the inn. And that's that's how we're trying to galvanize folks. All these folks have fled uh, persecution, and there's no room at the inn. 60% of the refugees up in northern Iraq have no place to stay, even if the UN is operating at a maximum effect. So how can we provide and help people of all faiths Christians, too, to get through the winter, just to survive. That's the rescue phase before we get into the restore and return phase of a long-term look at the region. If we have managed to pique the interest of our listeners to feel like they really can do something meaningful, what is it that we're asking people to do? How can they participate? Well, uh, most of all, prayer. Prayer is the greatest thing, and we say that sometimes in a cliché fashion, but pray for those who are persecuted. Pray for those who have fled. Pray for those who do not have room at the inn. They have names, and I'm happy to send you pictures and trip reports and those kinds of things when I was there in October. I'm going back next week. Uh, second, consider giving. Uh, and give to any organization that's doing good stuff over there. Do the due diligence. There's a lot of great folks that are working on this in good ways. If you're attracted to working with and through the church and in a manner that has a strategic approach, the near-term get-through-this-humanitarian-crisis-of-the-winter and thinking long-term, then give to the Cradle Fund, cradlefund.org, that uh, my organization, the Institute for Global Administration, uh, uh, Global Engagement, is administering on behalf of the honorary co-chairs of Mark Burnett and Roma Downing. 
we are doing practical things through these partners and happy to share uh, all the things that we're doing, especially when I get back and check out some of these things for the first time. Well, I'm I'm not a, an auditor or accountant or anything, but I think I can reasonably assure our listeners that this is legit, that this is an organization with with excellent leadership and uh, that has been engaged on these issues for some time. Uh, there's no magic bullet. These are tough, tough issues. But we can't afford, friends, to sit back and do nothing while religious minorities are being wiped out throughout the Middle East. That's just not an option. And I hope you've heard our good friend Chris Seipel today, president of the Institute for Global Engagement. The website, again, where you can give is www.cradlefund.org, Crisis in the Cradle of Christianity, cradlefund.org. Any closing thoughts, Chris? No, I thank you for what you're doing, Alan, and giving voice to the voiceless. And I encourage your listeners as we gather around our dinners and our fires and uh, our warm homes, take the time to think about your fellow Christians and non-Christians who bear the image of God, who do not have a place to stay, there is no room in the end, and to think about giving something, perhaps sacrificially, to help those folks out through cradle funds, through somebody else. But this is real. Christians will disappear from the Middle East if we don't do something in a sustainable fashion now. You know, you planted an idea for me. Our uh, guest today, uh, Chris Seipel, president of the Institute for Global Engagement. I'm going to consider channeling Christmas monies uh, to this kind of an effort. And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We also provide legal services to those suffering religious discrimination. Check us out at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.